Yo, 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 what's up, my ninja? Shalom to all the believers around the world. It's Numa Pierre, poet, prophet, preacher, ninja for Jesus. Yo, and the mission is helping believers live activated by Holy Spirit. That's the mission. Helping believers live activated by Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost. Pentecost or Pentecostal Sunday for us Pentecostalans. That's not even a word. I just made that up. Yo, it's really for us Pentecostals. It's Pentecostal Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. It is the Feast of Weeks. Yo, what is the Feast of Weeks all about? What is Pentecost all about? Well, stay tuned because that's what we finna get into. We're also going to get into Numa. What is Numa? And then to close out, going to do some little shake it up a little bit. We're going to do a book commentary. And the book we're going to start off with, because y'all just love y'all audio books. Delighting in the Trinity, an introduction to the Christian faith by Dr. Michael Reeves, a brother in Christ, uh, put me put me up on game when it came to this book. I'm going to look up uh, something real quick. Put me up on game when it came to this book. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through the introductory chapter and I'm just going to give commentary to it. That cool? So we're going to talk about Pentecost. We're going to cover some scriptures and we're going to see if there's some gems, some revelations uh, that God is going to uh, release as we talk. And uh, then we're going to get into Numa. What does Numa mean? I got to give y'all a word to leave with. And what better word than the word that's in front of my name? Numa, right? Numa. What is Numa all about? And they're going to tie in together talking about the Pentecost and uh, talking about the Pentecost. Wow. Talking about Pentecost and then talking about Numa and then leading into delighting in the Trinity. It's just, just, just feels right. So, all praise and be to the glory of our triune Lord, our Father, who in, uh, in heaven, the Son, who has made all of this possible, revealing the Father unto us, giving us the word, saving us, sanctifying us. All praise be to Jesus Christ and God the Holy Spirit through the power that comes from the baptizing not the baptism. Look, I'm creating all type of different words. The power that comes from the baptizing of and the indwelling presence of, the empowering presence of God, the Holy Spirit. We have been uh, equipped with the ability to witness, be the witnesses for Jesus Christ. And that will make sense, even more sense, I pray, as the Holy Spirit leads us into what I believe is going to be a time of revelation. Thank you again for rocking with me, you know, because this is a journey to be before the Lord. So uh, be before the Lord in this capacity 
and present what the Lord has given me to present. Uh, and being before the Lord, I just want to encourage you guys to be before the Lord. What does that mean? Just show up and and and, and have a uh, just a, an interaction with the Lord that's different on this week. And, and today being Sunday is the beginning of this week. So like, just be, just take some time and just be before the Lord and whatever the Lord gives you, take it to heart and then ask the Lord to give you something also, not just for yourself, but to share with others. So this is just my way of taking what the Lord has shared with me and sharing it with you. But we all are in that position as believers because the Holy Spirit at all times is acting as the agent uh, by which we have sweet communion with our God. So take some time and just be with your God. And in that being with your God, ask the Lord your God for something specific for you and ask the Lord your God for something specific for those that you're going to come into contact with on this week and watch them blow your mind. Something that I've been doing on a practical level is just asking how your day has been to the cashiers I interact with. And look, the light that emerges in those conversations, it's 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 like really motivating. It motivates me to keep on asking the the first time I was like first couple of times I'm like, cuz you know what we do? We we put our our AirPods on and then we just like, "Hey, yeah, thank you." All right, cash in, cash out, right? Swipe, swipe, we done. Tap, tap, we out of here. Groceries in the bag, boom. Bluetooth it when we get in the car. But I was challenged to take the AirPods out of my ears and have a conversation with the cashier and start the conversation with, yo, how's your day going? The next level is to actually ask them what their name is, most cashiers have it across their chest. I still feel a little bit uncomfortable just calling out their name because, you know, pronunciation is a thing. That's the next level for me, though, is to like do like this whole name thing. Like, hey, my name is Pierre. Hey, what's your name? How is your day going this week? I'm going to challenge myself to do that and give you guys an update. So, uh, Kevin, Kevin, uh, Minister Kevin Benton, B E. T-T-O-N Junior put me on uh, put me up on game when it came uh, to Delighting in the Trinity by Dr. Michael Reeves. We spent some time discussing uh, just the power of the Holy Spirit over the phone and he said this was a must have so I whoop, whoop, went to Amazon and got that two day delivery out of the way and uh, it was it, it got to me in two days, so I'm excited about diving into it with you. Uh, I might even go, uh, you know, I might go video on everybody and just do a live book review, right? Or yeah, I just might. I got a lot of books, and I just want to sh- be able to share them with you. So this may turn into like part three of this episode might actually turn into me going live on my YouTube channel. So if you're not already up on my YouTube channel, Ninja 4, that's Ninja Letter 4, Jesus, find me on YouTube, subscribe. I got some bangers that are about to drop. All right, just got done preaching. Pentecostal Sunday service sermon. It was called, Can I Get a Witness? And so some of that content, a lot of that content, that became the sermon we're going to cover on 
this episode. So I might not be in full preach mode, but you 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 already know, poet, prophet, preacher, ninja for Jesus. I might have to tune up on y'all real quick. That's that uh, Kojic coming in. I'm a recovering Kojic, right? I'm a recovering Pentecostal, okay? I just can't leave it alone. All right? No matter how intellectual I want to be or come, become, I just can't leave my... Hey, hey, when it hits you, it hits you. All right, I'm done being fooly. Uh, let's get into this. Thank you once again, my ninja, for bearing with me. Let's go straight into scripture. Uh, we're going to go to Exodus. We are going to go to Exodus. We're talking about the day of Pentecost. And so Pentecost, another word for it in English is Feast of Weeks. And what does Pentecost commemorate or celebrate? Why Pentecost? Well, if you're familiar with Exodus, you know it's about the Israelites leaving, the Israelites leaving Egypt. Leaving as in like, God said, let my people go. All right, so Moses, uh, burning bush, message from God, and he goes, there's so much to that story, but I'm paraphrasing to get to the point of Pentecost, right? So the plagues, uh, one of the last plagues, I believe the last plague was the death angel being sent by the Lord, and they had to, in order to, you know, tell the death angel, not here, not here, sir. Uh, the, this, the not here sir sign was the blood of a lamb on the doorpost and that would protect their firstborn from the encounter with the death angel which would be a deathly life ending encounter of course Pharaoh didn't get the memo so his firstborn died uh, very tragic very. but that's what happens when you're not under the blood things die okay Let's go. So, fast forward 50 days. They are out of Egypt. And now they're about to have this experience at Mount Sinai with God. And this is where the day of Pentecost uh, manifests. It's the bringing down of the law. So, God spoke to Moses, the law, and then Moses brings that down to the people. Why does Moses bring it down to the people? Because if you read Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to read it, uh, we're going to read it in parts because there's going to be a lot of grounds we cover scripturally. Uh, Really, it's just two books, three if we include Ezekiel, uh, but there's a lot of content in those, even just a couple chapters we're going to read. But so... What is happening is uh, this event happens at Mount Sinai. And the event is God, heaven, coming to earth again. And it is a terrifying event. And when God comes to Mount Sinai, when heaven follows God to Mount Sinai, uh, the presence comes to Mount Sinai, it comes with the law. You see how the presence of God always comes with something? So if you're in atmospheres that are highly spiritual, quote unquote, and everyone's feeling the presence, but no one leaves with the word, 
like a word they can understand. No one leaves edified. No one leaves charged to do something new. No one leaves with a revelation on something that they were like wondering about. You you have permission to question that experience because everywhere, every time, whenever God shows up, he shows up to, with something. It may be terrifying when he shows up, especially in the Old Testament and, and in the Gospels when Jesus shows up shows up but he's not just showing up to be like hey what up just stopping by no he's bringing something all right so that's just how you can discern if you're in the right atmosphere or not if god is present quote unquote what is the present of his presence some of y'all catch that if god is truly present what is that present of his presence what what is he bringing to edify you or the people you are with and if the answer is nothing, if you got nothing from it, well, one or two things. Maybe you weren't open to what he was bringing, or maybe he just wasn't really there. I'll let you decide. Discernment is a gift. Discernment of spirits is a gift of the Holy Spirit. All right. So, in uh, Acts, not in Acts, Exodus chapter 19, I'm just going to cover some grounds on what this day of Pentecost was. Uh, in terms of experience for uh, the children of Israel. And then we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. In the first century, what was the the day of Pentecost like as an experience for the disciples of Jesus Christ? And uh, so we're going to read, all right? So I'm going to start at verse 1 of chapter 19. I'll be reading from the uh, CSB, Tony Evans Study Bible. Shout out to Pastor Tony Evans. Did you know that he was the, he's the first African-American, first black man to have his own study Bible? That's a major accomplishment. All right, so if you have your Bibles, you can follow along in your own translation. Exodus chapter 19, starting at verse 1. In the third month from the very day the Israelites left the land of Egypt they came to Sinai to the Sinai wilderness or the Sinai wilderness alright I'm just playing they traveled from this word is spelled R-E-P-H-I-D-I-M Rephidim that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Uh, they traveled from Rephidim, came to Sinai wilderness, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Moses went up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine. And you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. In other words, it's about to go down. After Moses came back, he summoned the elders of the people. And sat before them all the words 
that the Lord had commanded him. Pause for the cause. I'm not saying that this is how it's used in the Old Testament, but when we get into the New Testament era and we talk about the word church coming from the word ecclesia, and the ecclesia means this mean called out political body, right? Called out for what? All right. Another word for the ecclesia is senate, and the beginning of the senate, especially in the Roman Empire, was elders. Elders representing the tribes of the people. They would gather and to discuss the movement of that empire. Eventually, they established a leader, and then eventually that leader went through the senate to do things. And then eventually, uh, when you go along Roman history, uh, as you travel forward in, or progress in Roman history, then that leader then establishes the Senate unto himself. But really, there's this placeholders because everything the leader says goes and all they're there to do is enact the, the decrees and whatever it is the, the leader wants them to do, the Caesar at this time, right? And they began their meetings with worshiping or praising the deity, right? So Caesar was one of the deities, God on earth as man. But then also they had other deities that they would just worship to begin their senate meetings. So once again, senate and ecclesia, if they're not the same word, uh, they have the same idea. This gathering, it was very political, and it, right? It's very, very politically driven, I would say. And so they're talking about matters of the state. And so when it comes to the kingdom of God, we have to understand that God has always had a council in heaven and he's had a council on earth. In Psalms 82, it gives us insight into that council of heaven. And uh, when you see in Genesis chapter one, let us make man in our image. That's not necessarily Trinitarian language. They were not, the Trinity was not revealed when the Old Testament writers of Genesis were writing. And so when you see, let us make man in our image is best to interpret the us as a divine council of Elohims that the, the most high Elohim, our God, well, was um, was among or in the midst of, and then Adam and Eve. You would see that what at what you could we could tell right. For me, this is not what Scripture explicitly states. But if you if you understand the context of how God moves and you understand the patterns of God, He likes to establish a council to represent His rule. And then if He is not over that council directly, an uh, intermediary would act as His representative of that council. So you see Moses acting as the intermediary or the intermediary between God and the elders representing the children of Israel. You can go forward in time and see that Jesus does this same thing, literally. And that 12 that he called minus Judas, right? And they cast lots for a new one represented the new council that would establish the will of the kingdom of heaven on earth. You catch all that? All right. So this is that when you see him, when you see in Exodus, the, the writer um, highlighting that Moses went to speak with the elders like this is this is this is church in the Old Testament. This was the gathering of the the called out ones in the Old Testament. They're about to discuss what thus saith the Lord and then act on it. All right. Cool. So I'm going to uh, start at verse seven. Once again, after Moses came back, he summoned the elders of the people and sat before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people responded together. We will do all that the Lord has spoken. So Moses brought the people's words back to the Lord. 
the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. Moses reported the people's words to the Lord. And the Lord told Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be prepared by the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, be careful that you don't go up on the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain must be put to death. No hand may touch him. Instead, he will be stoned or shot with arrows and not live, whether animal or human. When the So if you want to get shot, touch the base. You don't want to get shot, don't touch the base. When the rams, when the ram's horn sounds a loud blast, they may go up the mountain. So they had to wait until the ram's horn sounded a loud blast. All right. Then Moses came down from the mountain, verse 14. Then Moses came down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. He said to the people, be prepared by the third day. Do not have sexual relations with that woman, Bill Clinton. No, with women. It, Bill Clinton was not around. It was a horrible joke. But if you know, you know. Do not have sexual relations with women. On the third day, when morning came, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people in the camp shuddered. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke, because the Lord came down on it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain. Then the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain, and he went up. He went up. The Lord directed Moses Go down and warn the people not to break through to see the Lord. Otherwise, many of them will die. Even the priests who come near the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out in anger against them. Moses responded to the Lord. The people cannot come up Mount Sinai since you warned us. Put a boundary around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord replied to him, go down and come back with Aaron. But the priest and the people must not break through uh, to come up to the Lord, or he will break out, break out uh, in anger against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Yeah, and then that is verse, uh, well, that's the end. That's verse 25. That's the end of chapter 19. And so I just want to highlight that uh, it says on the third day when morning came, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people in the camp shuddered. Um, going to verse 18, Mount Sinai was completely 
enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down on it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain shook violently as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and God answered him in the thunder. All right. So this is very sensory imagery that we are getting like this experience, all of your senses are involved and in. you see the lightning, you you can feel the thunder, you can hear the trumpets. God is coming down. Heaven is breaking forward. It is a very violent thing. And the people's reactions are, give me more. I want more. I can take it. No, they're like, bruh, nah, this ain't for this ain't that. Like they are scared. Like straight, it says they and they shuddered. They were terrified, and we're going to get into how terrified they were. So, in this, at, at the beginning of chapter twenty, um, then we get the Ten Commandments, and that's what chapter twenty, verses one uh, through seventeen, is all about. I'm not going to read it, but just trust me when I say, starting at verse one of chapter twenty. God is giving Moses the Ten Commandments. There will be more commandments to follow, but these are like the primary ten. You got these down, everything else kind of just follows suit. Okay, so verse 18, though, is the money verse because this is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to draw our contrast of this Pentecostal experience in the Old Testament period and the Pentecostal experience in the first century, uh, the New Testament period, right? This is the Pentecostal experience under the old covenant and the Pentecostal experience under the new covenant. And in between then, excuse me, in between then, uh, we're going to have a prophet named Ezekiel prophesy about what will be, right, included in or part of the Pentecostal experience of the new covenant in the New Testament, all right? And we are under if you didn't know, the New Covenant, the New Testament, all right? So, yeah, just in case some of y'all didn't get the memo, we in the, we in the new now, we, we in the new, we in the new, we in the touch, touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor, 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 we in the new, we in the new, we in the new, we in the new, all right. Verse 18, chapter 20. All the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain surrounded by smoke. All right, free smoke, free smoke, free smoke, free smoke. Okay. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. You, you speak to us and we will listen, they said to Moses. But don't let God speak to us or we will die. Right? So they were so afraid of God at this moment. They're like, bruh, you got this. We'll... You text us, we'll text you, but that phone call with God, nah, you got that. Just let us, just text us for God said, we don't want to hear his voice. We hear his voice, we die. All right. They didn't even want to, they didn't want to talk to God. They wanted to, Moses to text them what God had said after he had the whole conversation. They didn't mind talking to Moses. It was that God part that I, all right. Okay. They didn't have phones. But I'm just kind of trying to make the language relevant for us today. The, the point is, they did not want direct contact with God. And that is going to be so relevant in like such a 
a point of emphasis when we talk about the contrasting elements of this Pentecost in the the Old Testament and the New Pentecost or the Pentecost in the New Testament. Verse 20, Moses responded to the people, don't be afraid for God has come to test you so that you will fear him and will not sin. And the people remained standing at the at a distance as Moses approached the total darkness where God was. And so that whole testing period uh, or that it wasn't a period, but that whole test was all about an experience of God, an experience that let them know that God was real. Like if you didn't know God was real, you're going to know God is real. No pun intended with the name Israel, but God is real. See what God did there? Okay. So this experience was actually supposed to motivate them not to sin against God. And what was like the sin that was in mind? It, it had to be idolatry, like giving yourself other over to other gods. When you know that this, when this, the true and living God, him, he has just come down to you or tried to at least. And has given you an experience that you can't deny. You can't deny it because you were so afraid of it. And that you told Moses, you talk to him and then talk to us. Cause if God talks to us, we going to die. Like that's how afraid of God you were. So keep that fear, keep that same energy when it comes to them idols you're going to be tempted by, them other gods, other beings that you're going to be tempted by, them other nations you're going to be tempted by. Israel, keep that same energy. Be that afraid of God then that you don't transgress his reality in your life and go serving them, worshiping them other, them other others. All right. Keep that same energy. When you experience God, you know God is for real, for real. You got no business trying to experience other gods. Like, you you so afraid of God right now. Keep that, be so afraid of God when you're tempted. Keep that same energy. That's what that was all about. We about to go to Ezekiel. Um, Ezekiel 36. It's going to open up. Open up. He is one of the prophets that speak explicitly about the Holy Spirit. What does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Because that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. In Acts, the Holy Spirit came down. This is just talking about lightning and thunder and clouds and Moses getting the law and the people being afraid of talking with God. So where's the Holy Spirit in all of that? You finna find out, all right? If you ain't know, then you finna find out. And uh, we're going to go to Ezekiel 37. All right, so write this scripture down, Ezekiel 37, starting at verse 24, verse 24. And it says, for I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. And if you know what happens in the book of Acts, the diaspora returns to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. And the diaspora at this time represents all the Jews that were scattered among the nations because of Israel's continued transgressing of God and his ways. And so there's like 13 plus nations listed in the book of Acts uh, chapter two. And that's a fulfillment of this. 
Ezekiel 36 and what he's saying specifically in verse 24. I will bring you into your own land, like your own land, like their land really is Jerusalem. Now, will this be fulfilled in the future? A lot of the prophecies of the Lord have these this double meaning to it. Like it, it can apply like right now, a thousand years later, and then a thousand years after that. Because that's just the property of prophecy. It, it's not fixed to one period of time. And usually you can see uh, between the Old and New Testament prophecies that some of the prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus when Jesus showed up on the scene. And then there's more of that prophecy that will be fulfilled when Jesus comes back in his final coming. And I, I also believe that this will also be a part of Jesus final coming when 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 there's a final gathering of all the children of God from all nations to one central place, new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, specifically Revelations 21. And we're all just there. That's the station. That's the base. That's the hub for the presence of God. I really, so I believe that this prophecy like was fulfilled in, in the events of Acts chapter two, but then also will be like fully fulfilled. If I could say that in like Revelations 21, where all the children of God from all nations are finally together and we are one with God. So that's just the nature of prophecy. It really has no limitation on what time period it can interact with. It's, it's all up to the will of God. So that's verse 24, verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. And so that, that is what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes into the room, the up, room and what is the holy spirit coming with the law so as the law was given to moses from mount sinai uh, the holy spirit will be given to the disciples in the upper room and uh the law of god is in the holy spirit there is for every believer there is this thing called conviction and that's a that's a that's a court term. That's a judicial term. That's a law term. Conviction. And what is conviction? It means that a crime happened, you were charged, and then found guilty. Conviction. And why does that exist within every believer? Because the Holy Spirit. This is and this is like really like like awesome. The Holy Spirit brings to us not a tablet of stone, but a downloading of the law of God. It's it's why the law of God went from analog to Wi-Fi, like just like that. And so, therefore, when you go against the character of Jesus Christ, because that's the another role of the Holy Spirit is to help us 
look more and more like Jesus, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. Uh, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed to that very image from glory to glory by the Holy Spirit. So we are being transformed to look more and more like Jesus. And so conviction happens when we go against the character of Jesus that the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to in our spirits because of the indwelling. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? That's a question that many ask others. Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? That's a question many ask themselves. Well, do you have conviction? Before we talk about the gifts, before we talk about the fruit, do you have conviction? Or can you do things that go against scripture, a biblical worldview, the character of Christ and not feel anything? If you can do stuff and not feel anything behind it, hit me up for prayer or find somebody to pray with or just pray in your own and get you some, right? Like for real, like just call on the Lord and you will be saved. In other words, call on the name of Jesus Christ and he will be faithful to save you. Confess him as your Lord and Savior and Holy Spirit will come alive and you will witness the power of conviction. And the power of conviction is to let us know when we're not doing things right. I also believe that there's a positive conviction that lets us know when we are doing things the right way. It lets us know that we need to be doing more of this, right? So if we've been gracious in an area, I really believe that in the Holy Spirit's own way, there will be something that resonates on the inside of us. I call it the Holy Spirit vibes, right? Where the, the Holy Spirit lets us know, hey, you just, that was a good thing you did. Like, keep doing more of that. Keep practicing that. All right? So, that's Ezekiel 36, uh, verses 24 and uh, 20, verses 24 through 27. All right? So, write that down. Study it. Go over it. Uh, this is, Ezekiel's powerful. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, he's a, a prophet who spoke of the Holy Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is going to do for us as believers and it's going to cause us to walk in the laws of God. Praise be to the Most High. Let's go to Acts. Acts chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 1. Or not verse 1. We're going to start in Acts chapter 1. Acts is written by Luke. The author of Acts is the same author of the Gospel of Luke. Luke, and he's writing to Theophilus um, and some commentaries say Theophilus was a wealthy patron who uh, funded the research of Luke so this is a letter that he wrote from his heart and he wanted uh, Theophilus to know the mighty works of God alright so we're going to start at verse Bizor, because this is going to give us the context for what happens in chapter 2. Alright, so starting at verse 4 of chapter 1, the book of Ox. While he was with them, the he is Jesus here, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said you, uh, which he said you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So pause. Uh, what's the imagery that we can work with in terms of 
understanding the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, for me, it's the difference in hand washing versus dishwashing. Uh, when you hand wash your hands on when it comes to those dishes, you usually get a basin or some type of uh, vessel that can hold enough water for the dishes that you're going to wash. You put hot water in that basin and then you add some type of solution to that water, some type of dishwashing liquid. I'm going to call it solution and you'll see why in just a second why I use the word solution because that's what it is. It's a, it's a solution for what? To remove the stains that are present in whatever you're washing. If we're washing cup or cups and they have been used or they're dirty just from being out in accumulation of dust or whatnot, whatever, bugs may have gotten in them and did whatever bugs do while they're in cups. Who knows, all right? Lay eggs even. When you put them in this hot water that is now filled with solution, right? When you immerse the cup in this solution-based uh, vessel, based va- uh, uh, basin, You then take that towel and you begin to, with your own hands, remove the stains that were in the cup or cups. Dishwashers don't do it like this. All right. Dishwashers are great. If you just need something done quick, you got and you and you're going to be busy for the next 30 minutes. You just want to put something stuff in. But dishwashers do not remove hard stains. Anyone that's had a dishwasher knows that you need a hands on approach to remove hard stains. Right. The dishwasher actually might leave you with a hard water stain if you ain't careful. All right. Dishwasher is good for something quick. All right. You are. And even with dishwashers, you got to pre-wash anyway. So you might as well, you're already there, all right? You just don't throw it. You got to pre-wash and then put them in the dishwasher. You might as well get the pre-wash and then the the immersion into the solution done. I, just get it out the way, all right? What am I, why, am I, why did I bring that? Because that is what God does for us. Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are immersed in the solution and the stains of our sins. God begins to wash away and to prepare us to be a vessel that can carry the witness of Jesus Christ. So that's the image I want to leave you with when it comes to baptism. It is a very spiritual experience. And yet that's what this experience is doing for us. It is introducing us, not even introducing us. It is immersing us, I would say, in the solution uh, that is fit to wash our stains. God got his hands on me. God got his hands on you. God got his hands on us. Hey, I can't get a witness. All right. Yo, so while he was with them, he commanded, starting at verse four again, uh, them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So that when, uh, so when they had come together, verse six, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and the end of the world. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit and the power that the Holy Spirit brings uh, was going to bring them and to bring every believer afterwards is to uh, it, it, it was a witnessing purpose, right? The, they were empowered to be a witness for Jesus Christ. 
And so what does it mean to be a witness? It means to testify on behalf of one. Testify on behalf of what? That experience you had of that one at a particular time during a particular event. All right. So these disciples in the upper room at this time, they have experienced the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that is one experience of Jesus Christ. But now they're about to experience the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, a whole nother experience of God, right? So this is going to empower them to be a witness, but there's some more to that word witness. It also means martyr. So when you look into the, the, the Greek of the word witness that Jesus uses, or Luke records Jesus using, it means martyr. And what's the significance of that? Death proving the strength of one's faith. That was, that was the significance of becoming a martyr or being a martyr or taking on this purpose, this martyrdom purpose, if I could, if I could say. To be a witness of Jesus Christ is to say, you know what? Yep, I'm signing up to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that you're going to die the next day. But it does mean you could die the next day. You are living with a death sentence over your head. How so? Because you're not supposed to just worship Jesus as God. You're supposed to worship Caesar and these other gods as God. The moment the believers start worshiping Jesus alone as God, it means that every other God is off limits. Kind of like what, you know, that that in the Old Testament Pentecostal experience, that experience of God was to keep them from sinning against God. And that sin, like, primarily was choosing idols over God. It's the same thing here. This this whole entire experience of God is going to be their anchored experience uh, that they this go-to experience that prevents them from or compels them not to, for better words, serve other idols, bow down to other idols, other gods. So, and the price in Rome at that moment or at that time in the first century was death if you didn't bow down so many of the disciples including Paul once he comes into the fold they die I mean Paul is kind of behind some of the deaths the persecutions but ultimately they die for believing Jesus is God and this is that anchored experience that they had that gave them the strength to endure death. It that and that was their testimony. That was the testimony. That was the witness. Like, and you couldn't, and, and, and what this is also for me, this is how I read it. You can't take on this vow to be willing to die for Jesus Christ in all forms of death, right? However, you think about death in all forms, unless you have experienced God in this way. This is the only way, because you need power to be able to say in the face of all forms of death, my faith in Christ is not going anywhere. You need, you need a power beyond yourself. Because if you have not experienced Jesus, what is motivating you to be a witness? Well, one, check that out. If you haven't experienced Jesus, you can't be a witness anyway. That's a false witness. You're talking about someone that you have not experienced. That's like me sitting here and just talking to you about Michael Jordan in a personal way. I don't know Michael Jordan in a personal way. I can testify to what I've seen him do on the basketball court. But if you ask me, hey, yo, what's Michael Jordan like at home? And I start to go into like 
just anything out of my mouth at that moment would be a lie because I've never witnessed Michael Jordan in home, at home, in a home setting. All right? You ask me about my mom, about my dad, about my brother, about my grandma, I can give you a witness about what they're like at home. If I'm in a position where it means my life so that they can live, you know what? I'm, I'm probably going to give my life up, you know, unless the Holy Spirit like stop, stop, stops me. But like, okay, I'm just going to open up a little bit. I'm fully vaccinated. And the reason why I'm fully vaccinated is because of my grandma. All right. I am around my grandma all day or day. I'm always in and out the house. When there's needs, when there's need for groceries, I'm the go-to. All right. When there's something that has to get, we have to bring I'm the guy, I'm the guy that got to go. All right. I, she's not going to the grocery. She's not going to the grocery store. I am going, I'm in contact with a lot of people. I live in St. Paul, Minnesota for those that don't know. All right. And our, our rates when it comes to testing positive and even the deaths from the, the positive testings concerning COVID, they were high, so high that our kids couldn't go to school at a certain time in, this, in the year. And so a couple things happened. I was asked to be part of a task force that the Minnesota Department of Health put together to inform the community, especially the young ones in our community, about this virus and about the vaccinations. And so I, you know, spent hours, days and weeks, months even studying this thing inside and out. And so I had to come to this decision when the vaccine was made available for my job, do I take it? And and the determining factor was, will this help my grandma live? Will this put my grandma in the best position to enjoy her life, to get through this pandemic? with full health. Something could have happened to me. Something, and after the second shot, it sucked. Okay, the second shot, oh, it sucked. Okay, I was down for like a day and a half. But I was willing to take on the possibility of something happening to me because of my experience with my grandma, my lived experience with my grandma, okay? I am a witness that she is a great, godly woman and a lot of life she has yet to live by the grace of God. And I was not going to put her in a position where that life would be cut short or hindered or harmed in any way because I tested positive and didn't know it. I could be asymptomatic for all I knew. And so I'm right. Okay, then. So that's what that was like. Like, when there's when there is this personal experience involved like it's it's not easier to make the tough decision but it's more power to make that tough decision and the tough decision for the first century believers was do i worship jesus and die because of it or do i deny jesus and live that was it that was a tough decision and because they had experienced the holy spirit along with the testimony of Jesus Christ from their experience with Jesus they said I am willing to live for him to testify to proclaim this gospel and if I get caught and it's my turn to to face this death sentence guess what I have inside of me 
I have a sentence of eternal life because the word of God is dwelling within me because the Holy Spirit is within me because come on, come on, come on. I got all that God nature on the inside of me working life in spite of death. Death, where is your sting? Your victory has been snatched away because Jesus, y'all got me preaching. Y'all get it? That's the point. All right, and that was why like receiving Holy Spirit, being baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, so necessary. And, and, and that experience like empowered them to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ forward to all nations. Let's get to chapter two. All right, so that was just a setup. Here's chapter two. I call this the heart of Pentecost. That was setting up the day of Pentecost. This is the heart. Emphasis on heart because that as we read in Ezekiel 36, is what is going to be changed. Their heart, when they receive the Holy Spirit, will be changed. And heart in the Old Testament also meant mind. So this is the whole change of your entire being. Your heart, your mind, your spirit, they all change when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. All right. So that imagery Luke is using as a clue to let people know this is that thing that happened in Exodus. Right. He's doing it. God is doing it again. He's coming to earth again in this way again. Now remember what we're contrasting. Do they receive this or do they reject it? So that sensory experience happened. Now this is going to let us know if they do the same thing the children did back in the Old Testament or do they respond differently? Uh, Verse 3. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this lets us know that instead of rejecting the direct experience of God's presence, they embraced it. They took it on. All right. In the Old Testament, they rejected it. But in this Testament, the New Testament, they fully, fully embraced it. Which is very powerful. How many of us are at the base of Mount Sinai when God has called us to the upper room. How many of us are like, okay, God, I'm good with you being way over there, but a direct experience I'm not ready for, I'm not clean enough for. I'm a, here's, a, here's a newsflash. Their sinful nature did not change before God entered into their lives through the Holy Spirit. Their sinful nature was changed as a byproduct of God entering into their lives through Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament period, their sinful nature was still intact. All right? And that sinful nature of the Old Testament period is the same sinful nature that we're dealing with in the New Testament period, but the difference is in the New Covenant. Under the New Covenant, it's not a physical law that we are following to show our loyalty to God. It's the spiritual law. 
brought to us by Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is compelling us to live loyal because we have experienced God. You see, you see that? So Jesus, life, death, and resurrection, the gospel allows, brings us into justification. That's what that means. And so we're justified. In spite of our sinful nature, we are justified before the Father. And then therefore, the Father can dwell within us. The Holy Spirit uh, is God dwelling on the inside of us. And so there's nothing between us and God now. So he's working now with our nature to bring us completely into a new nature, which will be, which we will fully actualize new heaven, new earth. All right, let's keep going. So before I move on, like sometimes we like feel dirty. We don't feel like we're worth God experiences. I'm just gonna let you know, if you believe, then you already have the experience of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Uh, and I'm a Trinitarian, by the way. So you, you have the third person of the triune God on the inside of you already. And you are in Christ, according to Ephesians. You are in Christ, seated in a heavenly place already. Meaning that you have FaceTime access with the Father. You don't need an intermediary like a Moses or a prophet or a... Not saying that we don't... That that, that office is done away with. But what I'm saying is that to hear God for yourself is just a matter of praying and being open to what he has to tell you. You can continuously go up to Mount Sinai. You know what? Bumped my, going up to Mount Sinai. After this, after this Pentecost in the first century, God continuously is at our heart's door. He's dwelling on the inside of you. You ain't got to go up nowhere to catch God. All you have to do is look within. He's there. Read his word. Like read the Bible and watch how alive the words become now that you are a believer. Like reading the Bible on the other side is like, uh, nice exercise. Right? There's some cool stories nonetheless. But reading the Bible as a believer be, with the Holy Spirit, and give Holy Spirit permission to show you what God wants you to see and to reveal to you what God wants you to hear. As you read the Bible, no matter what the passage is, and I promise you, you begin to see and begin to hear in new ways. Just open up to it. Open up to it. God is a gentleman, I heard someone say. He's not going to force any experience on you. God didn't force in the old covenant himself on the children of Israel when they were at the base of Mount Sinai. He respected where they were at in the new covenant. Right? We get Jesus in, in the in the letter of Revelation, the book of Revelations, saying, Behold, I stand at the door knocking. And if anyone would open up their heart's door, I will come and dine with them as a friend. 
and I will have a meal. Spiritually speaking, I will commune with them as a friend. And so there's this communion now available to us. And Jesus is a gentleman. He can undo the door on his own. There is no door that can stop Jesus. He literally is the door to the Father. And that's what he has come to bring us. Through the Holy Spirit, we have now access to the Father directly. Ah, come on. Hey, yo. So, we just got to be open to it. Whatever you have done has already been covered. Whatever you're going to do has already been covered. You've been justified by the work of Jesus Christ. You believe in that? You believe in that 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 work of Jesus Christ? Then Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, already at work. So all you got to do is just continue to believe and let Holy Spirit speak to you, reveal within you what God wants you uh, to have in terms of revelation and words of wisdom and knowledge and just good godly principles to live by. And man, It's amazing. All right. So moving right along. Now, there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation. So this goes back to Ezekiel 36 and verse 24. It's the fulfillment of that. Now, there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygeria, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And so, um, we're going to talk about tongues quickly, quickly, then we're going to move on uh, to the other subject matters of this here episode. And so, I will not uh, exhaust the discussion of tongues, or I have not even exhausted the discussion of Pentecost. There's so much, so much um, to be shared with you um, that scholars have shared with us, um, uh, those who have dedicated our life to studying the Word of God on a high level, which you can too, if you so choose. Um, but on all levels, there is so much information out there by so many good scholars and theologians on the day of Pentecost and the gifts of the Spirit or the gift of the Spirit specifically, um, and then the manifestation of the gifts that come from the gift of the Spirit, and uh, and then how does that tie into Exodus and the experience of Mount Sinai and the wilderness of Sinai, and then even the Tower of Babel, which I haven't even touched yet, and how, how does that tie into where God confused them on purpose, separated their language on purpose so that they could not reach him or bring him down uh, through their own means. And we see him coming to us 
coming to them specifically, but coming to us continuously by his own means, on his own terms. And uh, Christ justifying us was so important for God to be able to um, come to us in this way where he can dwell with us. And so when it comes to the gift of tongues uh, that manifested when they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, we can see that this tongues uh, that manifested was languages, human dialects. It mentioned 13 plus nations that were present and each heard them in their own language. And what, this is the key, what were the disciples who are now filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit doing? They were magnifying God. They were praising God. And the nations, the Jews of those nations that were around them, um, uh, they heard the glory of God, the, the, the magnifying of God, the praising of God. They heard it in their own language. And that is what confused them. That is what astounded them. It wasn't that they couldn't understand what they were saying. It was that they understood what they were saying. And what they also knew they were Galileans that were doing this. There's no way that these Galileans had access on a high level to these languages. It had to be a work of God. And they wanted to know what did it mean. And so what did it mean? It meant that the scripture has been fulfilled. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. It meant that, that now um, a new creation was being established. We call this the birth of the church. Uh, but even going into that, it was, um, they had, they're now becoming children of God. They are now not becoming, they are now children of God, right? Because the Holy Spirit um, cries out, Abba, Father, according to Paul. When we receive Holy Spirit, we receive the seal of adoption. And that seal, the Holy Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Um, they also receive the right to be deemed citizens of God and that and every citizen needs a law so we know the Holy Spirit brought an inner law to them and to every believer that makes us citizens of heaven right citizens of God citizens of the kingdom of heaven and then they are this holy nation this royal priesthood of as in Exodus we read that that was the intent of the law being given that they uh, would be a nation under God, a holy nation, a royal priesthood under God as an example to all neighboring nations. And now that this can actually happen, like they have Holy Spirit now and Holy Spirit has transformed them, has transformed every believer into this holy nation, into this royal priesthood. And the purpose is to reflect Jesus Christ to every other nation. And so... In that reflecting Jesus Christ, like we become a witness in our everyday lives of Jesus Christ, which is so powerful. Uh, this is what the day of Pentecost brings the entire world in the first century. This moment where God breaks open heaven again and comes down, likened to how we came down in the Old Covenant period, Old Testament period. Um, but bringing like fully the new covenant to our hearts, the new testament to our hearts, and that new testament is God with us. Like Jesus embodied that, and the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, inspires that. And I'm using inspired in this sense, inspirited, like to have your spirit under the influence of another. And so. 
there's this perpetual, I am under the influence of the Holy Spirit now available to us. Ephesians 5 and 18, I believe it is. But Paul says, be not given over to strong drink, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we would have kept reading in Acts chapter 2, there were people who said, ah, oh, they just drunk. And then Peter, like stands up and declares that it's too early to be this drunk, right? We're not drunk, but this is what the prophet Joel has prophesied, that God pretty much is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh, and there will be signs that signify, or signs that signal that this is the fulfillment of that, you know, that prophecy, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit. We are in the last days, and I and I appreciate every one of us that that witnesses a believer coming into belief and says, yep, we're in the last days because of that. We're not in the last days because of something tragic happening. We are in the last days primarily because God is pouring out his spirit and he is now establishing who his children are, who his citizens are, who his holy nation and royal priesthood are in this earth. That's why we're in that last days. That was good. That just hit me. That's why. Because God has done the work to establish who belongs to him. And the world needs to see that we belong to him. How does the world see that we? Through our witness of Jesus Christ. As we reflect Jesus Christ through our actions and our demonstrations. And we proclaim this gospel of Jesus Christ. We are his witness. And if it brings us any form of death, we gladly take it on. Because then eternal life will be exposed to those behind that form of death. Or even eternal life will be exposed to us when we take on that type of death, be it death to a desire that we had that's just not reflecting the character of Christ. And there's numerous things that we can name that are attached to our sinful nature that we are encouraged to let die, right? For the sake of allowing the character of Jesus Christ to come forward in every single area of our lives. Is it a journey? Is it a process? Is it a everyday affair? Yes. Every day we are to drink of Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of us and be found under the influence so that we can reflect Jesus. This is what Pentecost brings us. Cool. So let's talk about Numa. All right, what does the name Numa mean? What does this word mean? Uh, I go by Numa Pierre, and I was in a season of life where I used to go by Pierre the Poet. I'll see if you Google Pierre the Poet, my picture probably will still come up. Uh, But there's a lot of other Pierre the I'm glad I switched to Numa Pierre because now there's a lot of Pierre the Poets on Instagram that weren't there before. I'm kind of glad that this, 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 um, this felt right. I called my big brother in Christ and we talked about the name change as it was happening. And when I said, you know, I could go with Pierre the Poet. There was another name I mentioned. I said, oh, I can go with Numa. And then when I started to talk about even why Numa Pierre and the and what inspired me um, and how Numa Pierre came about, I began to just break down in my spirit and to tear up and cry. And there was just this thing that was happening that let me know this is the name. Um, that I am to carry uh, forward as I do the work that God has called me to do. And that work is to help believers live activated by the Holy Spirit. 
And so pneuma is Greek for spirit. So when you see Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in English, when you look at the Greek manuscripts, it's pneuma hagion, spirit of holiness. Hagion means holy. Um, And so now the word spirit itself is layered in its own meaning and is actually the last iteration of the word pneuma. So we have breath or breathe. Uh, then we have wind and we have nature. This captures the word pneuma. And then spirit is uh, the last iteration of the word pneuma. This is a direct reflection of how the Hebrews would have spoken about the Holy Spirit in their language. And in Hebrew, the word is Ruach HaKadosh, or the words are Ruach HaKadosh, the title of the Holy Spirit. It's spirit of holiness. But Ruach means breath, wind, and nature. Uh, Specifically in Hebrew, spirit, uh, the word spirit is one of the last iterations to be attached to Ruach, to be attached to Numa. And so when we say Holy Spirit or spirit of holiness, we're also saying breath. And holiness also means to be set apart or separated, right? So when we say the spirit of holiness, or we can also say the spirit, uh, that's the spirit of, uh, that is separated, the spirit that is set apart, or the set apart spirit, the separated spirit. We also can use the word sacred. You see what it happens? So when you breath, the set apart breath, uh, the sacred breath, the separated breath, or the breath of set apartness, right? Wind, the, the set apart wind, the sacred wind, um, the separated wind, uh, nature, the set apart nature, the sacred nature, the set up, the, the the separated nature. God is holy. He is set apart. He is sacred. He is separated from all that which is unholy, including our sinful nature. And so the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God has come to do what? To bring us into that separated nature, that sacred nature, that set apart nature. Ruach HaKadosh in Hebrew, Numa Hagion in Greek. Holy Spirit, Spirit of Holiness in English. So there you go. So when you see Numa and the P is silent. Um, also, when you think of like, you've seen the word, but not in just its base form. You've seen the word through pneumonia, which means disease of the lungs. And lungs itself in Greek means or is translated pneumon, right? So you have pneuma, breath or to breathe, pneumon, lungs, pneumonia, disease of the lungs, that which restricts your breathing. And not saying that this comes from this is manna from heaven, but COVID does what? It attacks our lungs. I will say this, we need a solution for our breathing like never before. We need an intervention in our spiritual lungs like never before. We need a fresh breath and a fresh set of lungs like never before. And I do believe that the Holy Spirit of God, the Numa Hagion of our Most High God is available to all who will receive and accept and allow to give us a fresh word, right? Coming from fresh lungs 
and a fresh spirit so that we, in spite of this virus that is around us, can continue to decree and to declare and to manifest and to reveal the great will of our God in heaven. I believe like never before that this, in this day and time, we're going to see a very strong move in the lives of all believers who yield in a special way to Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit. We talk about revival, revival. Well, technically, the day of Pentecost in the first century was the beginning of the revival that would impact us directly. Um, I believe when, when God said, let there be light, that was revival for the entire world. And we are con- continuously experiencing how that revival unfolds. And one of its latest manifestations is the ability for every believer to live conscious that God is dwelling on the inside of me. That is a revival all by itself. It was not available to every human throughout history. Very select few could experience the Holy Spirit in any way in the Old Testament period, but now it's available to every believer. And even believers before the upper room could not experience Holy Spirit in this way because Jesus was around. So they had to experience Jesus to experience the Father. Now to experience the Father, we have the Holy Spirit. This is beautiful. So um, I believe like in light of what we are dealing with as a world, that the Holy Spirit still has a great work that he is going to manifest through those who allow Holy Spirit to manifest, the Holy Spirit to to manifest that great work. Uh, So if you have been called to procure your things in this season, man, pursue that. Because God empowers his purpose. So for the disciples, their purpose was to be a witness and to be a witness means to use your words to communicate the experience that you had. Right. So it makes really divine common sense that the first gift to manifest is that which allows them to communicate. Um, Communicate a praise, communicate a magnifying of God in a way that all the nations around them could hear. You continuously see the gift of tongues accompanying those who receive the Holy Spirit and acts because like the believers are going to be sent out. They're going to be sent out or like the disciples of John, they're already in a, in, in a place. And Paul goes to Ephesus and runs to the disciples of John. Like, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they're like, what? Holy Spirit, what? Right? So they receive the, and they receive the Holy Spirit and the tongues manifest. Why? Because they're in Ephesus. They're going to need that they're going to need the ability of different languages. Just think about all the confusion. And then what, what, just think about this. All right. Like, let's just be really just practical about it. You walk into a room and everybody is speaking a language they understand but you. How are you going to feel in that room? Very alone. Not part of that community. Definitely not like a family member. You walk into that room, but everybody is speaking a language you understand. Shoot. 
even down to like jokes, inside jokes. Oh shoot, it's different. It's different. Like when you are with your boys or your homegirls or your close friends, you guys got a language that you know that the outsiders don't. You got that's the inside joking and all those like. So what is happening with the gift of tongues and the acts is God is saying, I'm giving you this tool to create family, to create friends with in Jesus name. To build a new community, a different way to undo the confusion, to undo the isolation, to undo the aloneness that comes with being in a place and you don't know the language. To be in a room and you don't know the language. Man. So that's what you're seeing. God is all about community. God is all about family. God is all about bringing the loner into, the stranger into right to the embracing of the outsider that is always at the that's always in the heart of god so the gift of language has that property it's this i'm going to include you in this conversation and the first conversation they were included in was a praise break out of all things it wasn't a prophetic word in that sense it was just a praise a magnifying a praising of god and i'll end with this i believe that's the ultimate mission is to have every nation praising God when this is all said and done. We praise God because we're saved and sanctified. We praise God that death no longer has a say over our life. We pray. We praise God because of the, the indwelling presence of Holy Spirit. We praise God when we witness and someone receives the gospel. We praise God when we witness and someone rejects the gospel. We praise God when churches are established, different communities are established, people are sent out as missionaries, uh, uh Come on, we praise God through persecution. We praise God when things are going well. We pray. <laughs> we praise God when we pray for somebody and the gift of healing manifest. Right? We praise God when it doesn't because that means there's another will of God at work, but God knows what's best. We praise God for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the gospel, just period. All right, we praise God for the word of God made available to us in the 21st century because we get to look at the lives of those that came before us, this great cloud of witness. We have access to their life and what it took for them to be believers, right? We praise God for Revelations 21 and how this all wraps up us, new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, no sun, because the light is now us as the lamb is in the midst of Revealing the glory of the Father as the Holy Spirit still is inside of us, praising God. Like that's how that's how this concludes or continues in a new way. All of us with 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 the Lamb in the mist, the Father's glory shining through, no sun needed, because the light is 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 us unified with God, praising God. The mission is praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's get into delighting, delighting in the Trinity, an introduction to the Christian faith by Dr. Michael Reeves. So I'm going to read part of the intro. The intro is entitled, Here Be Dragons. So I'm going to just read. I may not read the entire introduction. Um, but I'm going to read until I'm prompted to give a commentary. And so if you want to grab this book on Amazon, 
Um, it's not priced that high, and it gets to you very quickly if you have Amazon Prime. And it's written by Doctor um, Michael Reeves. His his bio says uh, it's currently theological advisor for universities of colleges, Christian Fellowship (UCCF) in the United Kingdom. He oversees Theological Network, a theological resource website. Um, so, I believe we're going to like this book. So, I'm going to read until the Holy Spirit allows me commentary. And then, we'll be done with this episode. Thank you for tuning in and hanging out with me. Alright, more episodes to come. Uh, like I said before, I may do a video of me reading and doing and giving um this uh, a book review for delighting in the trinity i just may start vlogging um on a visual level so just follow me subscribe to me ninja letter or number four not letter number four jesus and if you're not following me on all social media platforms it's ninja number four jesus on social on facebook instagram and twitter and uh, the activity is gonna pick up So let's get into it. God is love. Those three words could hardly be more bouncy. They seem lively, lovely, and as warming as a crackling fire. But God is Trinity? Question mark. No. Hardly the same effect. That just sounds cold, stungy, all quite understandable. But the aim of this book is to stop the madness. Yes, the Trinity can be presented as a fusty and irrelevant dogma. But the truth is that God is love because God is a Trinity. What that means to me, like, right now, I don't know how it hits you, but how it hits me is that because God exists in this triune state, love is happening. It's not just an idea. Like, we know God is love. But that almost seems like just an idea or something that's like only God gets to experience on his own. But then that... For me, it raises the question, like, is it really, how is love love if it's just love for yourself? Like, if it's, there's no, and we know we can love ourselves, but how does that look when you're God? And it's just a whole bunch of questions. Right? But then when you say, when he says, God is love because God is Trinity, we get, I get to think about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existing as one in this triunity and now love is now it, it just doesn't stay in the mind it can be experienced and expressed between the three as one and now I'm thinking about marriage and how the goal of marriage is for the two to move as one and there's this love expressed between them you add a child to that now it's three as one family And there's this love expressed between the three of them. 
Now I'm not comparing a natural family to the triune God, but it's the fact that when the persons are present, this love can be expressed in a way that just goes beyond ideas, that goes beyond headspace, that goes beyond an abstract thought or a loyalty or a loyalty just to oneself. It's something that's transferred, expressed, experienced to another. It's power that. It's powerful. So that's what I'm thinking about right away. What are you thinking about when you hear that? Do you agree? God is love because God is a trinity? Do you agree? Maybe you don't agree. Uh, hit me up. Find me on one of the social media uh, platforms and let's talk about it. Uh, whether you agree or not. You may not even believe God is a trinity. Uh, hopefully you do when this book reading is over. Hopefully you do after you pray tonight. <laughs> I don't want you to have to wait until I finish reading this book before you believe God is a trinity. Next paragraph. This book, then, will simply be about growing in our enjoyment of God and seeing how God's triune being makes all his ways beautiful. It is a chance to taste and see that the Lord is good, to have your heart won and yourself refreshed for it is only when you grasp what it means for God to be a trinity that you will really sense the beauty the overflowing kindness the heart-grabbing loveliness of God if the trinity were something we could shave off God we would not be relieving him of some irksome weight we would be sharing him of precisely what is so delightful about him. For God is triune, and it is as triune that he is so good and desirable. But I must congratulate you. Next paragraph. For having read so far as this, the Christian books that really fly off the shelves are the how-to books. The ones that give you something immediate to do. And to the how-to junkies, the thought of reading a book on the Trinity must feel like having to say, Theodore Oswald Twizzle, the thistle sifter sifted a sack of thistles. I totally butchered that. I did not expect that. Uh, that's me speaking, by the way. Back to the book. Rather hard going, but pointless. <laughs> he captured that thought very well. Yet, Christianity is not primarily about lifestyle change. It is about knowing God. To know and grow, to enjoy Him, is what we are saved for. And that is what we are going to press into here. And this will be the last paragraph I read. Nonetheless, getting to know God better does not actually make for far more profound and practical change as well. I'm going to read that again. I think I butchered that one too. Nonetheless, getting to know God better does actually make for 
far more profound and practical change as well. Knowing the love of God is the very thing that makes us loving. Sensing the desirability of God alters our preferences and inclinations. The things that drive our behavior, we begin to want God more than anything else. Thus, to read this book is not to play an intellectual game. In fact, we will see that the triune nature of of this God affects everything from how we listen to music to how we pray. It makes for happier marriages, warmer dealings with others, better church life. It gives Christians assurance, shapes holiness, and and transforms the very way we look at the world around us. No exaggeration. The knowledge of this God turns lives around. Even in reading that, there's a delight that is springing up in my spirit. Like I can, I'm reading it in this, this natural calm is just over me. I can be really energetic, but like there's just this natural flow of calm and delight and like, <sighs> that has like possessed me as I read those uh, first couple paragraphs of the intro. So stay tuned for episode two. All right. Or well, the next episode. And we will continue to dive into the delight of or the delight in the Trinity by Dr. Michael Reeves. Thank you for rocking with me, my ninjas. I'm going to just say a quick prayer. and We're going to close this podcast episode. Uh, Father, we give you all the glory in Jesus name. And we pray that the Holy Spirit continues to fill us, assure us, empower us equipped and gift us to be a witness for the Son. We praise you for the day of Pentecost that is alive now every day in our lives because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for Jesus who makes this gift even necessary. And uh, we pray for a special grace to develop, evolve, and to pursue more of what does it mean to be an image bearer of you in this day and time. Guide us the whole way through. We know you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Shalom and peace, my ninjas. Until the next episode, please, if you haven't, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to Ninja for Jesus, my YouTube channel, And then follow me on all of the social media platforms. We got some great Holy Spirit activating in your life things ahead by the grace and will of our Father in heaven. Peace. Hiya.